Lately, a lot of people who grew up with childhood trauma are going no contact with their families and loved ones. And I know there are circumstances where it is warranted and it's even courageous to cut off contact. But from what I've observed, this is an extreme solution to a common problem. And in this video, I wanna show you another way to protect yourself from the people who hurt you in the past so that contact with them is still an option for you. And I'm telling you this as someone who has tested having no contact with my family and then totally changed my mind about it. And I am so glad I did. It can still be really hard for me to handle my own reactions around my family. But if you're like me, you'll find that healing your triggers and calming the symptoms and behaviors that just come flying out of you when you are triggered, well, it goes a long way toward making family time more of something you can handle, something you can even enjoy and feel good about. Now, to be clear, I'm not saying that what happened to you as a kid doesn't matter. It matters. And many families are still trudging along, mostly unhealed from the past. And what I'm saying is, since none of us can count on things getting better, with some healing, we do have a choice to stay connected, to show up as our more healed selves. Not so prickly, maybe, or not so boundaryless. And we can discover the joys of sharing some love with people who are probably never going to be what we hoped. Now, it's so understandable that we want them to change to apologize, to somehow set things right and make this pain inside feel better. I've met people for whom that's happened. And what they say is that it's nice to get that apology and a lot of positive things flowed from the changes in the relationship that followed. But the injury that happened long ago doesn't automatically go away. For most of us with childhood trauma, the injury has been in there pushing out ripple effects all our lives, all over our souls, our relationships, our jobs, our possibilities, our behaviors. It's been going on for years. And so even when a parent, say, gets sober or apologizes or tries to make good, all this damage inside reveals itself to be what? Our problem. It's inside. It has nothing to do with them anymore. And therefore, they can't fix it. Now, make no mistake, you did not deserve to be neglected and abused as a kid. You deserved safety and love, surely by virtue of being a child. But your happiness is no longer in the hands of the people who hurt you. It's in here. This is yours to heal. So this is all my lead in to the question of, should you go home? And if you can, my opinion is, yes, you should, if they'll have you. So if you're thinking of giving it a try, I wanna give you 10 tips to help you get through it well, and maybe even to make things better than they have been in the past. So first, if you go, own this decision and go only if you actually want to go. Don't go kicking and screaming and complaining because someone else wants you to go. You may have mixed feelings, but once you decide to go, just take 100% responsibility for the decision. And if things go badly, you don't have to blame anybody else for making you do it. I'm not even giving you tough love here. It's just common sense. Now, unless you're a child or very old or severely disabled, you always have a choice about where you spend your time and with whom. So you can say no. And if you can't handle the interactions without hurting people, you probably should say no. All right, second, as you consider the decision to go home, despite having mixed feelings, just go slowly. Don't go impulsively. Take enough time to think through the kind of stressful situations that are likely to happen and how you can prepare for them. How to have boundaries, right? 
Now, those of us who grew up with abuse and neglect are usually terrible at boundaries, at least at first. And the people who have known us for a long time are, are often shocked and not in a good way when we actually say no to some of their expectations or throw up parameters to take care of ourselves. They've maybe never seen us do that before. They've maybe never seen anybody do that before. So the third tip is to go ahead and have boundaries, but don't use them as weapons. Don't call your dad and say, okay, but this time I will not tolerate such and such, or I'll come, but only if mom agrees not to drink. Your boundary can be to come or not come. Your boundary can be to have a plan B to take care of yourself if your mom gets drunk. But a boundary can't be a demand that another person do something or not do something or to make a promise that you and they know perfectly well, if you're honest, that they probably can't keep. And anyway, leading with demands and warnings will be perceived as aggression and you'll very likely be met right back with aggression. If you have years of this kind of dynamic going on, then really any positive change you make can seem threatening. So don't blow your horn about it. Just say, it'll be great to see you and show up. And if mom gets drunk, don't argue, don't make a fuss, just with as much gentleness and non-judgment as possible, just shift over to your plan B until you're ready to carry on with the family, maybe the next morning when she's sober again. And I'll talk about how to have a plan B in a minute. The fourth tip, Acknowledge the emotions, which probably involve a lot of sadness, anger, disappointment, shame, feeling ignored. See, you can tell I've been through this before. Acknowledge that you're having these feelings and see if you cannot have to talk to your family about it. If you have someone there who totally understands and support you, great, mention it. But try not to get carried away with how bad you feel, just like dwelling on it, um, savoring it, telling stories. These are feelings. They're normal under the circumstances. And in a troubled family, it's just a terrible idea to try to get the people who hurt you to listen or God forbid, help you with your feelings, especially while you're stuck together in one house or worse, a car. It's a fight waiting to happen. Don't do it. It's not going to make you feel happy or vindicated or anything positive that you might be imagining. The fifth tip, limit your time in situations that stress you. Try limiting contact to 30 minutes or two hours or whatever you like so you have a way to step back and calm down if the need arises. If you need some extra help for cooling down, you can try my daily practice techniques and I will put a link to that in the description section below. Okay, tip number six, avoid unnecessary conflicts and do it without anyone knowing you're doing it. There is a time and a place to express yourself and set the record straight with those who have wronged you but family holidays are probably not that time or place. And if you've decided to visit home and you want to have a good day, make a decision to stay polite and stay out of conflict. Now, here's a handy method you can use to dodge any fight that someone tries to start with you. All right, it goes like this. Let's just say your Uncle Bob says, people like you, and you can insert anything you want here, your age group, your political affiliation, your geographical home. He says, you people love to whine about blah, blah, blah. And then you think you can just blah, 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 whatever Uncle Bob says, right? Do you have people in your family who are like this? So what you do is you act like your phone just vibrated in your pocket and you go, oh, just a minute, Uncle Bob, someone's calling me. I'll be right back. And then you don't come back. And Uncle Bob doesn't even notice. You should try this. It works. You can avoid a lot of trouble this way and just keep having a lovely time. Even if a family member is cruel or high or trying to stir up a fight, 
if you can neutralize your negative reactions, you will be amazed how differently everything can go. Never think that you are condoning bad behavior just because you're not participating in screaming matches, right? Tip number seven is remember, the party is for everyone else too. You may be feeling hurt and judged, but sometimes the best thing for that is to take your mind off what you feel and think who in the room might benefit from a kind word, a little acknowledgement, a little connection. Okay, family get-togethers and holidays are hard for a lot of people. And you're going to find that your sadness can be lifted up when you assist others with their sadness or their social awkwardness or their embarrassment over spilling something or not bringing a gift or whatever it is. If this is all you did the whole time at a gathering, I promise you, you would have a nice time. Okay, eighth tip. Do I even need to say this? Don't talk about controversial things. When people talk about politics and religion and money and that kind of thing, you can just smile and nod and listen, or you can say neutral things like, I see what you mean, or mm -hmm, mm -hmm, or good point, or I've heard so many people say that they feel that way too. It works. If you remember nothing else, remember this. This situation is not a good time to get people to understand that they're wrong in your eyes, or that you're right, or that you have reasons for the way you feel. Forget all that. Stay connected to your reasons for coming, to feel the connection and love as feeble and tiny as it might be, that happens to be there between you and your family. The rest doesn't ultimately matter. Okay. Ninth tip, especially on a multi-day trip, take care of yourself. This is the secret to fending off depression and dysregulation. And you can keep it to just these four things. Get your sleep no matter what. Get fresh air and exercise no matter what. Eat protein with every meal and drink lots of water no matter what, even if you just ate a ton of chocolate and use your calming techniques at the normal times, no matter what. And again, if you need these techniques, you'll find mine in the description section below. All right, the 10th tip, and I told you I'd get back to this, is to bake into your family visit a plan B in case things go south. Line up a place where you can stay if things get ugly or fall through. Have a way to get there, such as having your own car, downloading a ride-sharing app, or planning your route on public transportation. Look online for places and gatherings where you can go so that stepping away from your family in any moment is actually doable, even in the middle of the night. You can enlist your friends at home to support you in this too. Text them, call them, stay connected. So these are the 10 tips. All of this is to help you avoid the extreme measure of going no contact. You can use these even if there's been no healing yet between you and your family. And now that you're grown up, it's you who just might be the person who introduces healing to those damaged relationships. If you're thinking, that's not fair, they should be the ones to reach out to me, I'd say the person who should reach out is the one who has the most maturity and who has the most healing themselves. Let that person make the first effort. Let it be the one who has become the best at staying calm and kind even in the presence of people who are themselves traumatized and struggling. Let it be the one who no longer makes demands, who has released expectations, who has opened to love in whatever wobbly forms it happens to take. Let it be the one who grasps that time is running out and that sometimes the love we feel is more urgent to experience and express than the anger. Now, if you're watching this video, maybe, maybe that person who introduces this change to the relationship can be you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, 
think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.